this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Monday when we're recording this. You'll be listening to it some other time during the week. I'm joined by, as always, Black Trait, John Gervais, and our special guest, our music historian, our resident scholar when it comes to all things musical, Naima Cochran. What's up, Naima? Hey, y'all. Hey, what's going on? So, Naima, usually when we bring you on, it's because we're here to learn something cool that happened because a documentary dropped or to laugh at somebody as we did with Teddy Riley when he did his battle with Babyface. Today, with heavy hearts, uh, we have you on because we had not one, not two, but three tragic passings this weekend in the music world. Uh, first of all, the founder uh, and CEO of uh, Uptown Records, Andre Harrell, passed away. Then the absolute musical icon, the architect of rock and roll, uh, Little Richard. And then we had uh, Betty Wright, uh, legendary soul singer, pass away as well. I'm going to leave it up to you which one you want to start with. Uh, you work at Uptown, right? That was your. I worked, was it? At, I worked at Bad Boy, which is. Okay. Damn near the same thing. Um, so, but I was at Bad Boy while Dre was president of Bad Boy. Gotcha. Um, so I'll start. I'll start with Andre, just because he came first. Um, Dre apparently had had some heart issues for a few years. Um, he actually did have a cardiac episode several years ago. Um, so, but I think a the news was very sudden because he was only fifty nine. But b at a time like this it just compounds anything tragic 
we're hearing about, right? And there's also like the thought that we don't know when he'll be able to get a proper, you know, public send off for people to say goodbye, um, et cetera. But like you said, Andre was founder and CEO of Uptown Records, which is what he's most known for to most that and being the person who discovered Puff. But the thing about Andre that I think it's important for everybody to know is that all that like fly and sexy shit that Puff does to preserve the sexy, to keep the party going, the energy, the lifestyle shit, all of that he got from Dre. He took it and put a little extra puffy sauce on it because a lot of that energy is Puff's energy, but he learned all of that. Like, Bad Boy's Outstanding Artist Development, um, you know, picking up the hip-hop soul movement and moving it forward, but especially being able to convert music into culture and lifestyle. That started with Dre. So Dre was actually not just influential in the R&B movement, but he started at Def Jam and Rush with Russell. Um, he was part of a rap duo called Jekyll and Hyde, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the early 80s. And while everybody else was either doing like the Houdini thing, dressing kind of crazy like the Warriors um, movie, <laughs> or alternately doing like the Run DMC thing with, you know, sweatsuits, kangles, tennis shoes, big dookie rope chains, these two were wearing suits. And they were rapping about chicks and champagne and money, and watches in 1981, which wasn't what anybody was doing. And and it was party. It was party rap. Um, So when he got to Def Jam, he was part of the Rush management team. He was vice president of the Rush management team, so he'd be on the road with LL, helping groom Houdini, all of the acts as they were coming up. But he did it. He wanted to do some sexy shit. Like, he he really loved R&B. At the time, R&B was a really dated genre. It was older. This is kind of like the Quiet Storm era. Um, and he thought that there was room for R&B to feel younger and more hip and more fun. But also what Andre really wanted to do, he said before in quotes about his relationship with Russell, who was his best friend till the end, he would say, Russell is from the suburbs. So, you know, he's enamored with all this street and gritty hard stuff. I'm from the projects. I don't, mm-hmm. I want some escapism. Like I want something that is more aspirational. That's fun. That's feel good. So at this time, at the time that he started uptown in 86, we had one of two things. We either had everything was very, very street and hard in hip hop or everything was very shiny. It was a shiny and glossy black in R and B, right? No edge, No, none of that. Very smooth, very silk, very all of that. He married the two of those. So he was like, I'm going to take the street sensibility, the street style, the stuff I see the girls wearing, the, the, you know, the, the door knockers, the nails, that one Fendi bag they can afford that they're dressing up really fly. And I'm going to marry it with smooth sounds that make people feel good so that you have what he coined ghetto fabulousness. Right. And that was basically. Yeah. And that was the first time somebody was like, you can just do black like this. You don't have to be this kind of black or this kind of black. You can actually just take it from where you are. You don't have to polish yourself up or hide the roughness in order to move into an upper echelon or in order to feel like you're part of a certain set. 
And this was also happening as the black mainstream was increasing, right? So Uptown was really kind of like the home of what young black wealth could look like, right? What we were gonna, what we did with money, the kind of parties we were gonna throw, the kind of bottles we were gonna buy, the kind of girls you could get, you know, it was that. So he was really like the first person to create a lifestyle brand out of a label, not to sell the music, but the culture. And because he was the home, because it was the home of Guy, Uptown was also the official home of New Jack Swing. And we also can't, you know, obviously we all know it was also the home of hip hop soul, but that was, again, Andre's brainchild that you could marry these two cultures together. Um, but I think Andre's most important legacy that, and he had plans beyond, like, you know, he had an Uptown Entertainment deal with MCA, which he did um, strict, the Strictly Business movie under which he did New York Undercover, which was the first police drama with two leads of color. Um, under which he wanted, he had shows in development with Heavy, with En Vogue, with Criss Cross, with a couple of other people that just didn't get off the ground. But he could have done a lot more had he possibly been partnered with a different major label who let him rock a little bit more. But I think the biggest part of Dre's legacy, if you looked at posts from people in the music industry over the past couple of days, everybody has a story of like how Andre schooled them on something, tipped them to something, inspired them in some way. And I said earlier that being at Bad Boy was almost the same as being at Uptown because half the senior executives at Bad Boy came from Uptown. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, June Ambrose started as an intern in Uptown. Um, Outkast, former manager, started at Uptown. Um, there are senior executives across all kinds of music labels that started at Uptown. You know, he, Andre, touched so many people and poured into so many people because he wanted to create black executives. He wanted to create, you know, black senior level decision makers who would keep moving the culture forward. And I think the fact that Puff kept him around all these years, even though he came back to Bad Boy, he left, he founded a label with Babyface, New America, under which he found and, well, developed and signed Robin Thicke, um, came back and chaired Revolt and Combs Enterprises. Puff kept him close for a reason, right? right he right. knew that Dre was smart. Dre balanced him out. Puff is a hothead. Dre was always very level. Um, and he really was just always like a consummate mentor, uncle, really great guy. But also like he was always, his instincts were always right on about how to move crowds, how to get people's attention, how to, how to sell the brand. Like he was a branding and marketing what, what? When did he transition from uh, from artist to to exec? So when he first started at Rush, he was still part of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So if you guys have ever watched, I know this is a much different generation because Crush Brood, I'm almost too young for Crush Brood. <sighs> if you ever go back and watch Crush Brood, right. there's a scene in which LL forces his way into audition. It's like the first time LL is on camera. And there are two guys next to Rick in suits. That's that's Dre and his partner Alonzo. So when he first started at Rush, he was still in the in the rap group. They were signed to Priority, but um, he said that being on the road with LL, who was like seventeen, and even Dre, Dre was in his twenties, but being in a being on the road with LL um, and seeing like how girls were like screaming for him and everybody was going crazy over him, and you know he was doing he was doing songs about his radio. And Dre was like, if that's what I got to do, like I'm good. Let me actually. <laughs> Let me actually just help nurture this talent, tell them what to do, put that together. And then it was actually heavy 
deed that made him decide to leave and start Uptown because Russell didn't want to sign Heavy because he didn't think Heavy could pull girls. And, you know, Heavy is like the prototype. We've had Biggie, we've had Big Pun, we've had Rick Ross, like, all, you know, being fly as big dudes, but Hev was literally the original overweight lover. That was his brand. No love for the fat boys? <laughs> no love for the fat boys. Well, the fat boys weren't pulling chicks, I don't think. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, there's I'm somebody looking. from everybody. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And there will be no new act signed for the rest of the fiscal year. But, sir, I think you're making a mistake. There's a lot of new groups out there making music that I think could turn this company around. Well, who are these new groups? What is this new music? really didn't see it for heavy and and andre basically built the label around him you know and so he had a he had an instinct and an insight that was really important and again that's why i think it really kind of pains me and i don't know if he made his own piece with it because he knew he chose not to be the face of his label in a real way like Dre was the face of Uptown in the beginning, but not for long. Like, he was kind of more behind the scenes, and he let his artists speak for the label. But, so he wasn't, like, um, he wasn't a Suge. He wasn't a Puff. He wasn't a Russell, even a Jay and Dame. And he had remarked at different times that that made things easier for him because there wasn't so much, like, his spot wasn't hot. He could move how he wanted to move. But also, there was a point in his career where he wondered if he had leveraged too much of his personal power by doing that, right? Like, mm. you saw all the success of Uptown, but you didn't instinctively think of Drake. Like, it's impossible to think of Bad Boy and not think of Puffy, right? It's impossible to think of Motown and not think of Barry. But if you think of Uptown, you might think of Puff, Mary, Jodeci, Jodeci. Abby, and then Andre. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. It's not like you immediately, like, Andre is not the automatically the first thing that pops in people's mind when they think of Uptown Records. Right. They might even think of Teddy Riley and Guy. For, you know what I mean? Like, there's... Right, right. Yeah. He knew that he let his artists lead, but I think that also made him a better executive. So, in a piece I wrote for Billboard um, that you guys retweeted, I kind of noted the difference between the kings and the king makers. Because even though Puffy's an, exec- an executive, Puffy's still talent. Like, that's his yeah. energy. He's got talent energy. Andre was an executive. He's not talent. You know, he's a king maker and, and that's fine. Sometimes they actually are more influential and they move the needle more than the people who are more visible. No, I'm saying, I was going to say, yes, I mean, I have seen Crush Groove. <laughs> <laughs> I love Crush Groove, man. Yeah, yeah no, it was actually a dope movie, man. I, I like, uh, I just stumbled upon it. I mean, obviously, you know, there's always, always that, that, that knife in the back, like you need to watch stuff, and and I'm glad yeah. I did. You know, what I mean, during that time because I was really um, educated to that point. You know, what I mean, especially just beyond my years. So it's funny because Crush Groove was the movie that like the West Coast people y'all had. What, wait, it was a breaking. Breaking. Yeah, yeah. New York too. So I guess it was breaking. Breaking. It was breaking. Breaking. Yeah. 
also, Crush Groove is a movie that Matt Damon's character in Dogma said would be a bigger bigger hit than E.T. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he stood by it. That's why I love that, that part. Of the I stand by that. <laughs> All right. If you're listening to this podcast, Black Opinions Matter, stuck inside your house with your significant other, I want you to play close, close attention. Today's sponsor, Manscaped, can help you out and make the most of your time together. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls. That's right, it's time to quarantine, Manscaped, and chill. Manscaped's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. You're probably spending more time than ever with your significant other right now. And let me tell you, if you don't keep keep it clean down there, your partner will notice. And let me tell you something else. If you're single, Guess what? This quarantine is not going to last forever. You're going to come out of there. You don't want to come out of there looking like George of the Jungle. You want to be sleek. You want to be clean. You want to be ready to get it going out there. Uh, Trey, do you remember what life was like before you manscaped? Yes, it was like a jungle. And also, (laughs) there were times where you have those loose hairs getting caught, and it wasn't great. Now with manscaped, I look bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about before I ever manscaped at all, like same thing, jungle. But the big thing for me was, man, I just, no matter how hard I scrub every day when I'm in the shower, I feel like a funk by the end of the day, right? Before you take the next shower, there's just a funk in there. And it's, I believe the hairs hold on to that funk. So then I started cutting it off with regular clippers, but then you get the and that was just never fun, man. But now with Manscaped, I keep it cleaning on there, but I also don't have to worry about nicks or any sort of cuts. Shout out to Manscaped, forever changing the grooming game with the perfect package 3.0 essentials kit, the perfect tools for your family jewels. That's the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer, liquid formulations, and uh, cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent the manscaping accident that I just talked about. And of course, let's not forget about the crop preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put a deodorant on your armpits, right? Why not put it on your balls? They stink, that funk builds up during the day. This can help fight that. So you get the lawnmower 3.0, you get the, the liquid formulations, you get the third generation uh, cutting edge ceramic blade. You get the crop preserver, and guess what? Subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. That makes sure that the trimmer is always fresh, always clean, and for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The travel bag, which is a $39 value add, and the patented, high-performance, anti-taping, Manscaped boxer briefs. I'm gonna be honest, I don't have a pair of the briefs. I've heard they're amazing. I'm kind of salty that Manscaped just sent the Manscaped and not the briefs, but maybe when they hear this ad, they'll send it to me. Or maybe I can just sign up. 20% off plus free shipping with the code BOM at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Get the right tools for the job. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BOM at manscaped.com. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code BOM. People are loading up on toilet paper, but I'm telling you to load up on Manscaped products. So where do you want to go next? Little Richard? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I'm going to go to Little Richard. Richard almost... 
don't even know what to say. I mean, he was such a, first of all, he was such a character of yeah. music. Um, he was a persona. Um, and that was what, what made him special. He actually, in my formative years in the eighties, Richard was really kind of playing exaggerated. Well, I don't even know if you can, if Richard could play an exaggerated version of himself, that's literally who he was, but mm. he would do a lot of movie and TV cameos, basically. Right screaming at people that y'all ain't never gave me nothing mm-hmm. and, you know, shut up and banging on a piano and all that type of stuff. But the thing about Richard is, you know, if you've seen him referred to over and over again as the architect of, of rock and roll, um, we all know the stories of like Chuck Berry and Little Richard. Their styles were stolen by Elvis Presley and other white artists who, who are con- considered foundational rock artists. But it, the style actually came from them and Tutti Frutti, especially for Richard, um, which is, you know, the woo that everybody knows that he does, um, was, was actually covered by Elvis. Um, so, uh, he, not only was he foundational in terms of like his sound, his performance style, like he didn't sit at the piano. He stood at the piano. He was almost banging on the piano aggressively. He would kick his seat away. Um, and you know, perform to the audience while not even really looking at the keys, his style, was also like what set him apart. So he would wear a big old pompadour, like joint was like two feet tall um, and would have on makeup and would have a suit that was maybe a little more slim cut than everybody else had on. It was maybe in a brighter color than other people had on. Um, he did an interview in the eighties. I think that he said he did that because it made him less threatening when he was playing in segregated um, venues. To, to the white men because they assume that they he want that he wanted the women right yeah that he wanted the women yeah so but i don't really believe that i believe that richard did that shit because that's what he wanted richard, to do that's what like, is. Yeah. part of it but i believe because he did it as long as like for his entire life not even entire career we never saw richard in public without a, a beat face some hair done some eyeliner like a whole situation but that was part of what he was but he also did say you know he was like Rick James took my style, which is a hundred percent true. He was like, Prince took my style. Michael took my style. Like all oh, he, and he, I love him because he was like the first, he had better bars than rappers. It was like, all you niggas is my sons. All of y'all, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, little Richard, um, pleasure to talk to you. I just have a brief question for you. Happy New uh, Year. Uh, what do you think of uh, Prince and Michael Jackson have definitely copied your style? I think, I love Michael. I think that he, wants to look like me. You know, I was born with these cheekbones here uh, and complexion. I think Michael tried hard, very hard to look like me, and I'm honored. I think he might want to go a little further than you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Prince, when I see Prince, I see a young little Richard. Uh, um, I'm honored with them. I think they're two fantastic entertainers, and I'm blessed to be alive at this time. I'm 64 to see somebody emulate me. I, I love them. Every time he was in public, he would say, he'd be like, y'all ain't gave me no Grammy. Y'all ain't never gave me no respect. I, mm-hmm. I, I started all of this. So I think that the great thing about Richard's energy is that in a, in a um, culture that tried to erase him, tried hard to erase him, he wouldn't let it happen. But <laughs> I used to wear my hair like that. <laughs> they take everything I get, they take it from me. <gasps> he can't get that, though. <laughs> All right, now. Wait, wait a minute. Look at the hair. I used to wear my, I used to have these eggs in mine. Look at it. Now? 
Shut up. The nominees for the best new artists are. Are you all sure you want me to say that? I didn't have nothing to say. Y'all thought I wasn't going to say nothing. And the best new artist is. Me. I have never received nothing. You all never gave me no Grammy. And I've been singing for years. I am the architect of rock and roll. They never gave me nothing. And I still say, Woo! <laughs> and the winner is still me. <laughs> Good morning. I had to get that in. Being a Brian Drew from Georgia, I had to tell it to. Shut up. Richard? Richard, shut up. Yeah. This is going to sound like a dumb question. Was he the first openly gay? I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's openly gay. He was married, though, right? With a kid. He wasn't that, gay. I mean, or at least not that he admitted. I mean, there are definitely some stories about that. some sexual fluidity. But even there was a point in his career, like in the late 50s, early 60s, where he actually left for a minute and became a minister like he was deeply religious oh, wow. um, so I think that that was something that he struggled with so there are some off the record stories about Richard and some wild shit but he himself never oh. claimed himself to be gay are y'all saying that, that Eddie Murphy lied to us he had the stand up where he's talking about the acid to be, play literature the literature movies and said, well let me read this autobiography and and you know, so I get a, a feel for the character, and he's like reading. And then in 1962, I sucked my first dick. <laughs> yeah. Sicko, man, sicko. <laughs> a lot happened in the 60s and the 70s. That's all I'm gonna say. About this this <laughs> might be embarrassing, but the first time I got hip to like little Richard, obviously my grandma loved him, like right, and she would she would always talk about him. But uh, I didn't I didn't really get a bar of him until um, Why Do Fools Fall in Love. Oh, and he had his little, you know, so where funny, like a sixty-year-old Richard is playing a twenty-year-old Richard. <laughs> yeah, like you know, or whatever. You yeah, yeah. Man, man's was mobbing around like young Richard. They had him on the stand as an older Richard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He he was walking around like a uh, Undertaker's man, Paul Bearer. He always <laughs> he always had that look, man. It was it was like mortician swag. Trey, you never saw the movie. Didn't that wasn't that a Little Richard movie with Leon? Yeah, with Leon, oh. I seen that one too. That was no, actually Leon played Little Richard. Hey, also, he, he Leon played, played the hell out of that single, role. Every single character in the we in might the have 50s. to do a Leon appreciation show one day because Leon he, might need an appreciation show because he be playing the hell out of. I still I see pictures of David. It's kind of like only him and Lawrence Fishburne have like confused me so much with the actual people. I see pictures of. David Ruffin, I'd be like, that's not David Ruffin. I realize I'm thinking about Leon. You know what I mean? Like, instead of, but anyway. So, little, so with Little Richard, I, I think that one was less surprising because Richard hasn't been on the scene publicly in quite some time. Mm -hmm. He's been ill for quite a while. And, I mean, he was, 
Was Richard, was Richard in his early 90s, late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, he, he was old. He yeah. was old. So, I mean, he, he had a full life. The other interesting story about Richard is um, you mentioned why do fools fall in love, Trey? Mm-hmm. You know, the whole story was about him getting beat for his publishing mm-hmm. and his wives, uh, plural, suing to get it back. Um, Richard also was beat for his publishing, as a lot of artists were mm-hmm. back in the day. And when Michael Jackson bought... Um, Half of Sony Beatles, ATV's right? catalog, well, half of Sony ATV's catalog, which had the Beatles catalog in it. Part of that was also Little Richard's publishing in it. Um, and uh, he, I, so the the story is that he gave Richard his publishing back. Right. I have found mixed reports on whether that happened. Really? He might have just given Richard a check <laughs> or not. Because Michael was, not that Michael was cruel, but Michael was very business savvy. Like, the whole reason he invested in publishing was because it's, it appreciates, right? It's basically mm-hmm. like having, it's almost like having stocks. Um, so I'm not 100% sure he gave Richard, like, Richard's family mm-hmm. has never said Michael gave us the He publishing. was playing chess, dog. Like, all right, look, you saying I stole your style, but I own you, big dog. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Yo, can I keep it real? I had so, so I no idea Richard how Fool's Law Love is about Lil Richard. No, no, it's about no, Frankie it's Lyman. About Frankie Lyman. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Richard was a character in there. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I knew that, but I was like, damn, did I miss the whole? Jerry, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> 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 like his whole childhood was robbed or something. Oh god, <laughs> yeah. Same era though. So that's so that's Richard. I mean, and it's still he was such he was again such a character. Every interview he got, I really respect his gangster. Like if nothing else, you really gotta respect Little Richard's gangster. And then. Betty Wright, which was surprising. Again, hasn't been on the scene for a couple of years. And Betty is what I classify as grown folks music. And I think there are people who know Betty Wright but don't know that they know Betty Wright. Um, So her most popular songs are one called Clean Up Woman, which is basically about taking care of your man at home because there's a woman outside who will do all the things that you don't do, the clean up woman. Um, And Tonight is the night, which is Banger. about. That's the only one I know. And if you guys know the reference, I know you're not gonna sing that song. That comes from Tonight is the Night. Um, and then uh, No Pain, No Gain, which she came out with later in her career, which was about um, basically her mom schooling her of like, you just this is what you got to go through. Like you got to go through some hardships in order to keep a man. Very old-fashioned mama advice, right? Or earning your man while you while you learn, learning your man while you were earning your man, earning your man, learning your man, whatever. So Betty's from Miami, and what I think some people did not realize is that Betty was mentoring like a lot of young artists out here. Even Khaled posted about her and said that she was one of his best friends. Wow! Um, and she was featured on a Khaled track a few years ago, but she also was mentoring like Josh Stone, like other other singers who were coming That's to her. She had a dynamic voice, um, even though maybe like all her songs didn't showcase it the way we want to see singers sing. Um, but she had a dynamic voice. She, a lot of people credit, um, reference her whistle register, which not everybody has, um, which most people think of like a Mariah or something, but not a lot of singers have one. But and she was also a songwriter. Um, so she was doing a lot of things behind the scenes and she was apparently really active 
um, I have a, a dear friend who's a really well-known producer, but he might not want me to mention him, but he lives in Miami and he hit me. He was like, yo, doubt like me and Betty were really close. And I was like, you and Betty, like, really? He was like, oh my God. And he was saying that he called her a couple of days ago and she was too weak to talk, you know, to check on her. So, um, a lot of people are hurting because she was still mm -hmm. out there and, and, and getting it in with the younger artists. And, and like I said, you know, her music, you either heard it like at the cook family cookout or something or clean up woman was the sample in the real love remix, Mary J. Blige real love remix with, um, Biggie. And Clean Up Woman is also the sample for DC Heads in the um, Water song, the Go-Go song. Um, and then Tonight is the Night was sampled by DJ Quick. Um, and mm -hmm. there was also this song, you guys won't know this, but when I was in high school, there was a song, there was this artist named Candyman. He had a song called Knocking Boots that sampled that. <laughs> and um, with No Pain, No Gain, it took me a minute to realize Snoop has a line in um, like this and like that that says, you never know she could be earning a man, learning a man at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Shout wow. out to Miss Betty Wright. I never, I never knew no pain, no, no gain. She's the one that coined that phrase. That's, I mean, or at least popularized it. That, that's, that's wild because no pain, no gain was like such a big saying in the 80s. Mm -hmm. People who are going to like to the gyms after like uh, uh, New Year's resolutions are going to join a gym like no pain, no gain, and I'm yeah. like, throwing the weights up and stuff. And I'm pretty sure like she just flipped it, but but attributed it to you know relationships, and and right. that's the thing. Like today, that song went and fly because the song it was basically kind of like a kind of like a piece of man is better than no man at all type mm -hmm. mentality, right? But <laughs> but for the time. That was, you know, that was considered kind of like sage wisdom or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it treats me good. <laughs> Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. If you listened to the pod last week, you know I told you it's not easy, it's hard. You know, and we usually brush it off and blame ourselves and say things like we lost our mojo or a good long day at work. Sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. But the reality is you don't have to make life hard. You can make life easy on yourself by making life hard on your significant other with Roman. It's easy to talk about. A real doctor can get you real pres medication, prescription medication, real easy, simple, safe, totally discreet, and just like that, Life's not hard for you. Life's hard for your significant other. Uh, remember, uh, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for your EV, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work for you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman ships free two-day shipping. Whole process is simple, straightforward, and discreet. That package comes in. It's not blaring, hey, get your dick pills here. Nope, it's nice and discreet. You don't know what it is until you open it up and you find out that salvation has arrived in the form of Roman. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now with Roman, you can complete an online visit today, connect with a doctor, and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash VOM to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash VOM for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash VOM. All right, so, so let's lighten it up a little bit. We had some fun news from the music weekend. We had the Jill Scott, Erica Badu battle. Mm -hmm. um, Love that. 
I'm going to just say right now, I've always been kind of lukewarm on Jill Scott. And so for me, like the Erica Badu stuff, like, oh, this is great. And Jill Scott, like, mm hmm. It's just, it never, it never resonated. It didn't change your opinion at all? No, I mean, I like her. She's a. I like her. I found out. I found out like about her pen game, and then also like, you know, it it. it was it was ignorant. Obviously, looking through the comments and seeing like, oh, I'm back on Jill Scott and all this, and how beautiful she is, and all these smiles, and you know what I mean. Her smile, I'm like, she been beautiful like for a long time. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, changed. She looked the same, bro. Like, like, listen, it was it was it was one of those black don't crack moments, right? Like OD, right? And then we looking, and you getting all these hits, right? And I'm listening to them play back and forth. And of course, these are two different artists, kind. You know what I mean? To like what their music gives to you. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and and what she did with Volume One, like that's just one. Like so that's fun. just one piece of work. Like when you listen to Volume One, you don't touch it. Like you get yeah. chills, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's Lizelle or you know, whatever the way, like the walk, you know what I mean? She has so many hits, bro. And I'm just sitting there like, yo, this is crazy because I had made a playlist, right, Naima? And I'm <laughs> thinking like, okay, I know music. I know I can do this before this battle actually happened. Right. I had to scrap the whole playlist. I believe that because they were both pulling album cuts. Mm-hmm. And that is because that's the thing with both Jill and Erica that I think is really interesting. Even with Erica, especially Erica hasn't put out a studio album in a decade, but she's super visible. Like she's all over the place all the time. Um, and, and I say, too, I think she's put out like a mixtape, but not a studio album. Mm-hmm. And Jill has been a while. Jill has released more recently, but both of them only have five studio albums in their catalog you know, in a, in a 20 year career, 20 yeah. plus year career in, in the case of Erica. And you're right. They do give, you know, even though it was like the Neo soul, you know, people were joking like the incense head wrap, mm-hmm. you know, back, even though they are kind of Neo soul contemporaries, although Erica was on, Erica had already released mama's bag before Jill released uh, volume one. Um, they are contemporaries and they, and they are friends. You can tell there's real love there. Mm-hmm. They, they are two very different kind of artists. Um, their subject matter is different. Their sound is different. Their energy is different. Their vibe is different. So the, the weird thing with me and my relationship with Eric and Jill's music is that I don't really know the deep cuts for either one of them, mm-hmm. but they're two of my favorite artists to see live. Yeah. Um, they are both amazing live. Jill especially, because she is just... Jill puts you in a trance. See, um, I still feel like a little boy, you know what I mean, when that situation... Obviously, I'm 35 years old, but again, I still felt like a little... Like, I felt like somebody was going to say, hey, it's time to go to bed, little boy. Like, we about to do some grown <laughs> folk stuff. And that's how I felt when that vibe was actually going, because, you know, I, I still couldn't relate. Like, it's a lot of... She was giving some... Like, Jill would have grown woman bars... Super grown bars. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Were you like, hey, I'm in a Jill, real relationship. It was at a time. You said yeah, what? Jill's, innuend- Jill's innuendos and, you know, like trick phrasing and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, very double entendres, triple entendres. But you were going to say you're in a relationship. What I'm saying, when you, when you look at that, when you listen to that type of music, her music, to be exact, that's like, yo, like hardcore 90s. And 
I'm like 16, 15, so I don't even know what that is even like about. Right. This is like, I don't bust this nigga over the head for coming home late, but I still love him. And right. you know what I'm saying? Right. I ain't never experienced. We ain't going to never get that type of love unless you just, you just old school. You know what I'm saying? You got an yeah. old soul. I don't, I don't see that in the 2020s. I think that's because y'all got to pull your panties to the side R&B, but um, <laughs> <laughs> actual, like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fool of myself for you R&B. Right. You know, there's no, there's no vulnerability or humility. I'm not even going to say it's about the lyrics. It's just about the, the place it comes from because mm-hmm. Jill got some nasty ass songs, but it comes from a place of vulnerability. It comes mm-hmm. from a place of willingness to be exposed and open yourself up to that. And I think that's the piece that is missing from the R&B you guys grew up on. You grew up on sex R&B, which is cool, but there was no love R&B, right? Well, and- I, caught, I caught a piece of it, obviously, because we, like, in a weird spot where 80, I'm born 85, so, like, I caught a little bit of it, but I wasn't enough, to, I wasn't old enough to be in the act of it. Like, I can't right. say that I was in the outside when heard you it all before. You know, you know when- songs to people on mm-hmm. on the quiet storm yeah <laughs> well, I, not even look well, I, Derv, you were gonna say something no i was just shocked that um i, I had a reaction to naima just uh lumping me in with trey thinking i grew up on this uh <laughs> this music you know i grew up i grew up with real r&b but now um i'm just like y'all y'all weren't fans of jill before this like no. jilly from Philly? i mean i mean i i, I look my thing is, I've like I've never heard a Jill Scott song that I was like, "This is trash." Yeah, never. But you you know when there's music you can hear and you you recognize the quality and respect it, but it doesn't make you feel, yeah. And for me, that's Jill Scott has never been like that. And I, and I was old enough, and I was just I don't know, like it's art, right, it's good, but it's just not like Erica Badu music. But I did want to ask Naima, this is gonna be a weird question: Why did Neo Soul happen? Neo Soul was a direct response to, um, Neo Soul was really a direct response to hip hop soul. Um, because hip hop soul grew to the point where hip hop started taking the lead instead of it being a merge of two sounds. By the time we got to 2000, hip hop was kind of dominant. So even though D'Angelo, D'Angelo came in 96, Maxwell was 97, no, D'Angelo was 95, Maxwell was 96, Erica was 97, Lauren was 98, and Love Jones was 98 or 97. They were still, and Erica was the first artist that had the name Neo Soul attached to her. Um, mm-hmm. the, um, oh my gosh, what could, could uh, Kedar Massenberg actually coined the phrase to describe her, to market Shouts her. To Kedar. Um, so even though they were out there and there were other artists that kind of fit in that pocket, it was still just considered like alternative R&B. They were the only kind of big artists because there was also like Chico DeBarge, um, Eric Benet's first album. You right. know, there were other artists in that pocket. So I made, but, a, I was inspired to make a playlist off of this and you, you can kind of say they belong or not. But, um, and probably our children of this, you know, we got Guapale. Yes. We got uh obviously Anthony Hamilton, Dave Hollister, um Kim. Dave Kim, yes. But Dave, I really think is straight down the middle R and B. R and B, I'm about to say, yeah. So I'm glad you said that though, Trey, because this is what ha- this is the problem that what that happened. By the time we get to two thousand, 
so like the two biggest albums in 99 were TLC's Fan Mail and Destiny's Child's Writing on the Wall. So that's like pop and be, right? It's yeah. very shiny and very polished. And we're also now in the era of the super producer. So instead of it being some, instead of it being a group of producers working with one artist to craft their sound, it's an artist reaching out a bunch of different producers because they want their sound. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, the balance of sonic power was shifting, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, R&B was more bouncy, 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 you know, staccato singing, that type of thing. So, on the charts in 2000, you have like your Destiny's Child and your TLCs, but you do also have your Brian McKnight's and your Tony Braxton's, mm-hmm. but then you also have your Aaliyah's and your Maya's, but then you all, then you even have like, that's the year that Yolanda Adams and Mary Mary were also on the, on the R&B chart. Mm-hmm. And then you have like D'Angelo and Erica, but then you also have like Common and The Roots, etc. So it was like all these different types of, R&B music, and then you had the sing-songy R&B like John, ne- I mean, hip-hop like John Nelly. Um, but what ended up happening was anybody who wasn't like a pop-leaning up-tempo R&B started getting lumped into neo-soul. So like when John Legend came out, they said he was neo-soul. When Alicia Keys came out, they said she was neo-soul. Mm-hmm. Dave Hollis said Carl Thomas, they said he was neo-soul. Those people actually just like R&B. Right. So yeah. it became, if you still had any live instrumentation, if you still had any session musicians, if you had any real lyrics, they were going to call you Neil Soul. Mm. You're just R&B. So and that was- NDRE, Jimmy Cozier. So wait, so how, how would... Definitely Neil Soul. How would you define Neil Soul? So for me, Neil Soul takes elements of jazz and funk and classic soul, Right. Um, that so like, and that's why I put Jill and Erica and India Ari in there because the melodies aren't straight down the middle melodies. Um, the song, the song structure isn't necessarily following like a, a standard formula. Um, and like I said, there's a, it's a little jazzy, it's a little funky, it may even be a little hip hoppy. Um, it's, it's really kind of a vibe thing. But I think, like, you know, Carl, Carl Thomas is a straight down, is as straight up R&B as you can get. Like, he's just an R&B singer yeah. all day. Um, he could have come out, he could have come out the same time Luther was out and he would have been fine. You know, but, but just because at that point, if you weren't bouncing and you didn't have rap features and you were actually doing ballads, they were just like, R&B, but they were, I mean, they were like Neo Soul, but they were also trying to say like Macy Gray was Neo Soul and Michelle and DJ Otello was Neo Soul. Like those, they're, neither one of them are actually even Is, is Dwelle Neo Soul? Dwelle is actually to me smooth jazz, but yes. Okay. He, he was categorized as Neo Soul, but even on the hip hop side, Common was considered Neo Soul yeah. in a way. Um, and like there was, you know, there's like Neo Soul adjacent, like Dilla, like Dilla, Q-Tip. Um, I don't even think Raphael is. Raphael is a little of everything. He could be Neo Soul, R&B, whatever. But like, there was also like that line between like hip hop artists, the Roots, who also moved in like a Neo Soul space, which was also like a conscious hip hop space. 
because again they were using jazz samples and live instrumentation and like all that this this is how i define neo soul if if you're wearing a turtleneck that's r&b if (laughs) if you smell like if you smell like incense that's neo soul yeah i want a head wrap is neo soul yeah Yeah. there you go head wraps neo soul all this neo soul talking not one of y'all mentioned a philly artist other than jill scott no music music. like what the hell y'all i should have mentioned Bilal. Um, I mean, we mentioned the roots who were the, and what I should mention with the roots, okay. I, I should actually mention the Soul Quarians, period. Soul which Quarians. is the production collective of Quest, James po- Quest and James Poiser from the Roots, Raphael, Dilla, Q Tip, and depending on who you ask, it's also on the artist side, it's Erica and Common and some other artists. So they were responsible for. The Things Fall Apart album, the Voodoo album, the Mama's Gun album, and the Like Water for Chocolate album. They did them all at the same, around the same time in Electric Lady Studios um, and went on to do some other stuff. And then there's the Touch of Jazz production collective who did Jill's album, Music's album, um, Jazzy Jeff's production collective, which James Poison from News is also part of. And they did Jill and Music's albums. And so that was kind of like the kickoff of the second Philly Soul movement. But to answer your question, I mean, I, Quest actually wrote like a whole um, manifesto about this before Voodoo came out and said clearly like it was a rejection, like a reclamation of a rejection of like the the super blinged out party commercial, commercial like hip hop and R&B and kind of a reclamation of the foundations like the Jimmy, the Jimi Hendrix, the James Brown, the Prince. You know, all of all of the people that they listen to, the George Clinton and Funkadelic, you know, the soul artists that they love, they wanted to go back to the roots of the music that everybody was sampling, right? But actually go back to that and kind of recreate it and come back to foundations. All right. Uh, really quick, let me go around the room. Who do you, I know we're all quote unquote we're all winners, but if you had to pick a winner, who won? Jill Scott versus Erica Badu. Jerv. Uh, I'm biased, so I was gonna go Jill Scott regardless, but I do think Jill Scott won now. Okay. <laughs> Trey. Look, as soon as she got drunk and couldn't play and played the same song, Erica won. We yeah. ain't uh, I'm going with Badu. Naima. I'm going with Badu because Erica came in with a strategy. And Jill was just playing songs off her iPhone, which was great. And I loved it. I love the energy. But if we're talking about actual scoring for the actual battle, which clearly this wasn't really, then I got to give it to Erica. By the way, Erica's iPod, iPad died in the middle. Again, if you're going to do these battles, guys, she's had the charge already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're, we're week week eight of quarantine. Like, you can't keep messing <laughs> this one up. Had the charge already. Naima, th- <laughs> Thanks a lot for, for, again, making us smarter, as you always do. Hopefully, always. Next I always time, enjoy you. Yeah, next, you, next, time, next time we have you on, hopefully it's not because somebody died. Uh, right. I was, I, the, the fun conversations are a lot more fun than the, than the sad and somber ones. You, you, by the way, I, I just want to let you know, I went back the other day and I listened to our uh, the pod we did after the, uh, the Motown. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, documentary mm-hmm. and it, it, that's got to be one of my favorite episodes we've ever done because it was just I mean even listening back to it it was like I was learning stuff all over again it was it was really fun so every time you come on you always make us better I always 
always love being here with you guys. Thank you for keeping your door open for me. Life has been dealing me hard hands the last few months, but ever since I got current, life's been a little bit easier. You know why? Why? Because I'm getting my paycheck two days faster thanks to current. And they're also giving me free overdrive up to $100 with no hidden fees. If you've been listening to the pod, you know I talk about this all the time. There is nothing worse than going out somewhere to buy something and getting hit with the overdraft for two reasons. One, the embarrassment of getting your card declined and or, or having a call and say, hey guys, can I get an overdraft here? And getting that taken care of, that's one. But even if they don't hit you with that embarrassment tray, they'll hit you with those fees. And I'm talking up to $35 charge on going overdraft, even if it was for like a nickel. That's just ridiculous. Everyone knows you're good for a nickel. You're good for $10. You're good for $20. You're good for $100 when you have current, the mobile bank with a Visa debit card that takes care of your overdraft for up to $100 for free and gets you paid up to two days faster with direct deposit. You can use over 55,000 free ATMs for current and you can deposit checks with the camera on your phone. Stop being a dinosaur. Stop being a Neanderthal and say, I gotta go to the bank and deposit this check. No. Do it from the comfort of your home. Use the camera on your phone. Click, deposit, shows up in your account shortly thereafter. Current is a real bank account, people. It's not a prepaid card. It's a real bank account. It works with Apple Pay, Google Pay, Cash App, Venmo. You can even instantly send money for free using your current tag. Trey, what is your current tag? B-L-K-T-R-A-Y. Boom. Right there, you can send Trey money just like that if you so feel like it. By the way, Trey, have you ever lost your credit card or your debit card when you're out and about? I have. How stressful was it? Oh man, just knowing, especially losing it on a, a Saturday night and you know that the bank's closed, you know, yeah. it is definitely stressful when you need money. Guess why Trey isn't stressed anymore? Trey, why aren't you stressed anymore about losing your card? Because I have this app to rely on now and I'm taken oh. care of. Boom, current notifies you when you spend. And if you lose your card, it'll tell you when their charger's going through. You can tell whether it's yours or not. And even if those notifications haven't come in yet, you can pause your card instantly in the app. The moment Trey is patting his pockets, talking about where I put my card, all he gotta do is go in the app, pause, and then the card is on hold until he can get home or get wherever he thought he left his card. And then if he finds his card, boom, unpause it. And if it's lost forever, you can go ahead and cancel and get a new card. And guess what? I know a lot of our listeners have kids uh, who are of age now trying to spend some money, but they're not quite 18. If you're under 18, you can still get an account with Current. It only takes two minutes to sign up and your Current card will be shipped to you for free. Download Current now. Get a Current Black Premium card when you go to Current.com and enter the promo code BOM. Again, go to Current.com, enter the code BOM, and get a Current Black Premium card. All right. Welcome, Black, to this uh, week's episode conversation about Insecure. And man, man, I do not like this character. I do not like this character, man. I'm gonna just jump. I'm gonna jump right into it, man. Who you about to go in on? Molly, man. She is the she is the worst. Like, 
He's a best nut. friend, worst friend, worst girlfriend. She is if there was I'm the prize. If I'm the prize was actual woman, she would be <laughs> it. I, I, where where do we get started? Okay, first, let's say, you know, congratulations to Issa for throwing a great event. Let's just start there. Shout out to I called that. All y'all thought that was going to be fake. Y'all thought the event was going to be fake. So that shout me out for that, too, real fast, y'all. Well, that was only a <laughs> one point for Jerv. Thank you. One point for Jerv. We'll I mean, I, I, look, I'm going to just say right here, like, the whole someone thought someone was shooting that that kind of falls into something was gonna go wrong, right? So that's actually an Easter egg from something. I forgot what it's from, actually. But if you listen closely to it, it's um. Damn, I need to I need to find it because I actually were just I was just looking at that like, and but it's it's quoted from something else that she threw in. She's clever for that. <laughs> but of course, Issa's just she's just she's she has that like that that funny humor to sneak stuff in. I really like that this 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 block party was so LA. I mean, obviously, I'm not an LA guy, but when you think of the scenario, you got Taco Mills in there, you got Vince Staples, you got I can't even say this cat's name. Is it Amina? Yes, sir. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Amina. Yeah, got the sir, guy but, that, but Amina's Amina's a Portland guy. He's a Portland a guy. guy. Who, by the way, people tweet me all the fucking time thinking I'm him. <laughs> Like, all the time, all the time. I have radio stations tagging me. Next up, we got I mean, I'm like, that's not me. Like, that's, you that's guys kind of fire, to, though. I mean, because I think it's like A M I N E, and then like, because they my my thing pops up, and they just assume how many means could there be. This one has a blue check mark, bang, and then I'm I'm getting tagged on a concert that's happening like at the Palladium this Sunday. <laughs> so we can focus on character basis this this week. Um, and, and then we just kind of throw the punches at it. So, um, first person I want to talk about is Kelly and this British accent. She was awesome. Jerv, you got your hands up. What was going on with that? First of all, Kel- I had no idea Kelly's from Philly. So okay. shout her out for that. You know okay. what I mean? Um, she kept it all the way real. I love the British accent and she is by far. A homie. She is down for whatever it is that you mm-hmm. need to get done. She is the true definition of a homie, and it's only right being that she's from, you know, the brotherly love. Okay. Yeah, like it's only right that Kelly shine in, in a moment like that. I think I think Kelly's very consistent as her character and why she has a deserving highs and why everybody loves her because she is ghetto fabulous. She introduces fun. She is down for whatever and never too bougie for whatever situation. But I thought her character was great, Rec- like luring on this 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 boo, this American boo, and pretending to be a British chick. And I would personally be annoyed, but I thought it was great for the show because it was just left field and so Kelly. And for her to stay in character while she finds out that this dude is a idiot. Niggas the dumb. hell? Oh my <laughs> Two god! Two branches of government. Come on, Bank right? of America. Bank of America. <laughs> That's why they got so many of them. <laughs> you could tell he worked the logic out of his head like hard. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I was probably my favorite scene. Well, one of two things were my favorite scene. This is one of them when uh, Issa's brother. Shows up and says, now what part of England you say you were from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just keeps hitting her with questions and she just keeps coming up with terrible, terrible 
like answers or anything. Brexit is boring. I'm from Poppycock. <laughs> uh, question for B. Does every girl group of friends have a Kelly in it? Yeah. Yeah. You always have that friend that, that is the party starter. But at the same time, she's low-key responsible. She brings the fun. She makes sure everyone's having a good time, not taking things too seriously. So, you know, she was the first one there on the step and repeat taking pictures. Like, you need that person that's, that's going to be the first one to turn up and be like, oh, let's get these pictures going. You know, making sure Issa is having fun, even though Issa kind of like low-key invited herself in her photos. But, you know, she was that girl to get everything going. I am that girl sometimes. Like, mm. when I know that there is an event, like, especially for someone's birthday or whatever, I try to take the load off of the person that's stressing about something and bring the fun and make people just kind of relax and get into the moment. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I mean, are guys like that? I mean, I know you got to have a guy that's like the turn up. Uh, is Trey? Yes. <laughs> no, you're not. Trey, you're not. You're not. You're, you're because you're, you got like a very calm energy. I'm trying to think like. You've had, ex- you've, you've hung was. out with me. So, okay, was, okay, all right, I'll take that back, actually, yeah. honestly. You know, like, that's that, that manic is like, energy. As soon as you walk in, it's maybe a three to ten. Me, yeah. it takes maybe, because I'm going to probably be in a cut, chilling, trying to observe. Cool, and, Trace, cool, you know. Like, yeah, I'm going to just be chilling. Yeah. But, but Waz is the hyphy one. I, I will give yeah. him that. Now sure. that I think about it, that's low-key my job. I'm, you know, I, I dance in Vegas. Like, I'm the party starter. I'm going to make sure everyone's having fun. I'm keeping everybody hype and making sure people have good energy. Even if music is whack, I'm going to still make make fun out of a situation. Yeah, you got to yeah. have that person. You basically just said, yeah, I'm the party starter. I'm making fun. What's this piece of paper with all this money on it? Oh, I got paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I get paid for it. Yes. Hey, <laughs> um. Yeah, go ahead, Trey. Well, I was going to say the next character, a character we haven't seen in a while. I don't like this dude. I don't like Nathan. his character. What, what What's my man's name again? Light skin homie. Nathan. 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 I don't Nathan. love him at all. Like, so we're not about the, the light skin shame. No, 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 no. It ain't got nothing to do with his skin tone. It's just, he is just, he just pops up when he wants. He just does, you know, and he's fake supportive. Like, he'll have that, like. What? She called him. And he made it happen. Yes. All right. All right. Let me, me, let me, let me take that back. That, I'll give him, how- I'll give him a little bit more credit than what he does. But like towards the end, the, the end of the, the episode, he rubbed me wrong when he left her there. He should have stayed. She told him. She told him. It he don't matter. Stay. That's a setup, bro. She really wanted him to stay. That was a bad night for her at the end of the day. Look, I just want to say that I predicted this. This was my prediction for this episode, that Nathan was gonna, he was going to come through and hook this whole thing up because he had to. He had to come through for Issa because of how he treated her in the past. He ghosted her. He was gone for a Don't while. Don't he got something going on, though, or is he a liar? Oh, I think he has a lot going on. So if you think about when he was first introduced, he was he moved from Houston, I guess, after the whole like flooding and everything happened. Trouble guy. Maybe he lost his home. Maybe he's displaced. Did and he he's just trying to get his too? life together. He, and he beat your dude up in the back <laughs> in the back of the uh, lift. So yeah. we know the little nigga can fight. But <laughs> 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 
Yeah, he's yeah. a barber. Yeah, he ain't a barber. He's just yeah. all over the place. But he did he did come through. So I he mean came all the way through. He came all the way through. And then we have Andrew, aka Asian Bay. Um he Yeah, I fool with him. He's cool. He's cool. He's dude. But it's like a handful to be dealing with. Like it went from like him sweating Molly to now Molly wanna claim him to him being actually cool and supportive to him still getting spazzed on. It's but like That's bro. the name of the game though, bro. Like, and he apologized after getting spazzed on. Yeah. But isn't that the name of the game? Like, isn't that how relationships work? Like one person sweats one person, the person doesn't really like receive it as well. And then that person goes, all right, well, I want to sweat you now. And he's like, ah! It does happen. It happens, yeah. but I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. Oh, I, oh, but right. I, a lot of things ain't supposed to go the way they go, but they go. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a ball right there. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, I think like I think also the thing that we got to remember is that this is a relationship we're following over the course of months, not mm-hmm. weeks. Like, we're, we're watching the show in weeks with the so it's taking place over months. So at the beginning, yeah, it was just, we cool, I'm cool, you cool, I do my thing, you do your thing, and then we can hang out and have fun. I think we've seen it now develop and turn into something real. Um, but, uh, but Trey, go ahead. Who's the next character you want to get into? Oh, Lawrence. Oh, there was no show, I right? Mean, he's a no show. That's the thing. You know, they broke that- We find out that they've broken up. Him and Condola. And okay, so let's, why does that allow Condola to act weird? It doesn't. It doesn't. That that to me that was a weird a weird reaction. Like I broke up with the dude who's your ex, which it was already an awkward thing. Shouldn't that make her and Issa now like super cool? Because now they don't have that awkwardness. I think, nope. I think we're gonna find nope. out why. That's the reason. When we find out why, you'll understand why she's being being like. Weird, right? Like, you went through his phone and seen a text, and uh, at the end of the day, these Lawrence and Issa, mm. like I said, after season one was done or whatever the hell, they're going to get back together, right? Like, it that's, I mean, here you go, that's how shit goes, right? Like, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see Issa and Lawrence get together, no. Nah, you got to be a fan of Lawrence, yo. I think I, I like Lawrence, like his glow up. I like that. Good for but, him, right? Glow up. But they're 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 both they're both glowing up, but going in different directions. That doesn't mean like okay, we got our shit together now, we can get back together. No. But I mean, they're going in different directions. But from if 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 I'm remembering correctly, this is the direction that they both talked about or had some sort of like conversations about in the early stages. So it's like the shit that they've talked about as a couple back in the day when they were together is now starting to happen. And then they're looking around and everybody else is gone. But can you ride, can you ride old memories off two different paths now and bring those and make those coexist? Cause you're riding off old memories, right? You got five good solid memories. They break up. He go do his thing. He go get chlamydia. He go on a fuck spree. Go get a couple girlfriends. She out here just wilding. Shout out to the banker, by the way. Taking plan B's. She out here doing all her extra stuff. You know what I mean? And yet, (laughs) she finds and sees her first little bit of success. He's been kind of riding high. And they're riding off the old school memories. But 
their growth might be different by the time they come yeah. back together. They're you know what I'm saying? Not well, the same. Not to say they was going to get married. Like, no, no, I'm not now, saying that, but that's always kind of a red flag. That, you know, that, hap- you know, that happens a lot because what happens is even though you're like, oh, you got your shit together, the person you're attracted to personality probably doesn't exist anymore. That was something from, you know, people grow, their personalities change or whatever. And so you come into like Issa from 2015, but she's different. And same thing, Lawrence from 2015, but he's different. Now they're like, they're going to get together and it won't work out because they're not in the same place that they thought they were, even though the material is like, oh, that's what I wanted. I wanted you to materially move forward in life, but it comes at a cost and the personality changes as well. Um, I was going to ask about, oh man, I forgot now. All right, never mind. You're so distraught. I know, because it was, it was right there. It was right in the top. I was like, I'll finish this point, and then I'll ask this question. And now I can't remember what the question was. It was it about Condola? Yeah, I'm just kind of annoyed. It wasn't about yeah. Condola. I don't, I don't, I don't love her character. She can go. Oh, I know what the question was. I thought they broke up the day when she was acting all clingy at the... At the friends, at the was it a baby shower or what was it? Uh, friendsgiving. It was a friendsgiving. 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 It was friendsgiving. Yeah. I thought that was the day they broke up. Jerv, yeah. you're saying that they she broke up on something else, not on that argument. No, but no, on, no, no, no. I'm saying that I, I I wasn't saying exactly when they broke up. I'm just saying that I think that we're going to find out the reason that she's acting funny towards Issa is because. They broke up. And oh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is that she probably is going to like let it be known that Lawrence still has feelings. Like she could tell Lawrence still. Like women aren't dumb. They can tell when you still have feelings for your ex, right? Like we're the we're the morons. They be like, oh, all right. She says she's cool. She cool. Boy, don't text no more. It's all good. But like they know when we still have feelings for an ex or whatever the case may be. So like she can tell Lawrence still has feelings. So I think that they. Pro- I, I do think they broke up at that. Um, friends at that friends given, but they flash back so much. So I don't know if the whole conversation I, about, I, I the, think it, I, I, I want to disagree on that. I want to say that there will be some extra dialogue behind that. And then she's going to find out and there's going to be the blame game. I think, mm-hmm. I think in that scenario where now, where now it's like, say, there's a conflict where it's like, okay, I really don't want to address Issa, but I do know why I feel away towards you now. Uh, she did say Lawrence didn't talk to you, which again I thought was weird. Like, why there would Lawrence go. tell her exactly. that they broke up? Exactly, because he ain't been reaching out. So the fact that now she know and it's kind of like be, it's like a slick jab. Like, oh, you would know because you talked to him. I found out because y'all talk. he tried. He tried to talk to Issa, but mm-hmm. she was interrupted with you know her headliner dropping out, and he was just kind of like left there, like, well, shit, I didn't get a chance to. Say what I need to say. Yeah. So, so is that what he had to tell her? Probably. Maybe. And he and he probably wanted to, he wanted the GTD. So it's cool. Oh, you know that. You know that. So, <laughs> so all right. So so Trey, you got any other characters? Yes, the or main one. My okay. okay. Molly. Let's let's, let's, let's oh, fuck her, bro. Molotov. <laughs> my favorite scene of this episode, or maybe of the season them going at each other because one thing i like for some reason is when people who are being passive aggressive to one another finally just 
They can't keep it up anymore, and they just let it drop and say, all right, fuck yeah. you, fuck you. I was just, it was so, such a rush because it's like, oh, it's a release of holding that in the whole time, and now you just let the floodgates open. Um, yeah, Molly's a weirdo. She started off, like, she didn't even want to go. She's, you know, making excuses like, well, what do you even wear to an event in January? It's like, girl, you're in L.A. LA. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, she's making up the smallest little excuses. But you know what I thought was really funny? Just kind of bringing it back to Andrew a little bit. The entire time he says nothing about an email that he sent to help with this event, period. He didn't say a thing. Mm. And I thought that was really funny that he was kind of outed at the end. So he had to tell Molly what was up. Because I think he secretly knew that Molly found out that he helped that she would like blow up. Yeah, it and they, they probably wouldn't even. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't even went, go to the event. They wouldn't yeah. have went, and it would have been like an extra argument for him. So typical man shit of like omitting. <laughs> I, I I okay maybe I'm a piece of shit. I, I was like, dog, why didn't you just lie? What was that about? Oh, I, I hooked him up with this uh, tour company. This uh, yeah. date in another city. Like, yeah. just make he couldn't. Like, he couldn't get it off though. He wanted, she's done that to him. She's like, oh, it's work. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he ain't probably that savvy, but I mean, just overall, yeah. like her trying to warm up during the thing. And I think it's like you can't be selective and be happy for somebody when you, you know, and I, I think she got some, some screws missing up there alone where it's I'm like this. Telling you, she, the idea that Issa has her shit together makes her feel vulnerable and scared because that's the person that I measure myself up against is, oh, you never got your shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, just like she was yelling at her. You have the most drama, da, da, da. And it's like, not nah, actually, right now she's got her shit together. She doesn't have any drama. Yeah. It's right. you. It's like, she's a, and if, if your man, that's a, that's a sick bar right there. If your man leave you, that ain't my fault. Can't put it on me. <laughs> Molly had every reason to be happy that entire day. Like her friend is putting on a dope event. Um, Her man basically was like, yo, this is my girlfriend, Molly. Like he claimed her openly. um, And she low key like made up at, you know, they doing the wobble, you know, Mm -hmm. they had a moment. You thought everything was going to be back. Some food. Yeah. A little wing offering, a little peace offering. Um, I just, honestly, I thought it was all bad timing as far as like when Molly was trying to have a conversation, like, yo, save that for self-care Sunday. Like, wait, <laughs> you don't have to do this right here. Not right my now. Event. Not that was the- corny. And, but what I thought was the, the corniest part is when she's sitting with Andrew and Andrew is just so like, he's taking everything in like, yo, this is really dope. And she is so surprised that everything is going well. It's going well, right? That's I'm telling you. That's that's the vulnerability. That's the I Trash need something friend. to fuck up so that I can be like I told you so. I thought, and I think that's why she upset that uh, Andrew helped out mm-hmm. because if Andrew doesn't help out, Issa's event is a failure. Is I told you so. I told you yeah. don't have your shit together, and she could not hit that mark because everything went well. Shout out to Andrew. He did what he's supposed to do. His homie called him. In a in a in a in a in a, in a crunch moment, and he said, "Look, bruh, I need you to do this for me. This is going to help. This is going to help me out in the back end, but it might get you in trouble." Is that shady? <laughs> the, the, is what what? 
No, it's not shady. So let me ask this question. Let's play. Let's play devil's advocate. Let's play devil's. If me and you, Trey, have a problem, Mm -hmm. and I know that your girl and my girl are friends, Mm -hmm. so I go through my girl to get to your girl to get something done Mm -hmm. to kind of go around you. Am I being shady there? No, no, because that that ain't got nothing to do with us. But for a person that's looking for a problem. Yes, they're going to actually look for that because it's right. going to be like, all right, nigga, we got to fight because you you reaching <laughs> out to, you know what I mean? And that's the thing. She was searching for some reason. And I think that, like, she went, Issa went about it the right way, but also we have to put in this situation. You're happy you got a boyfriend now because of me, because of the guy I met and that happened yeah. to be his roommate. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and you still, like, she could have gave bars, but she just was like, look, you're tripping. I'm, we're all supposed to be happy. This is a win for all of us. Like, aren't you happy that Issa finally got her shit together? And it's like, nope. And what a lot of people forget that if it wasn't for, Issa, she wouldn't have never met Andrew. And even when she did meet Andrew, Issa continued to be like, yo, you should give him a chance. While Mm -hmm. Molly is like, nah, you know, I want black love. I want this. I want that. She she continued to just push Andrew off to the side. And now, yeah, I just think it's incredibly selfish that she doesn't see this opportunity for the four of them to be dope. Because even if you think back to the previous season, Molly kind of blocked um, Nathan from reaching out to Issa at one point when he was ghosting her. She kind of like told him to leave her alone. Mm. Yeah. You know, like when you think about it, Molly (laughs) has been a shit friend, honestly, the entire show. She has been reading her every episode. It seems like she always has some slick shit to say. Always. What? So to be, to tell her like you're you're always that um, she call her a one favor like you always need that oh, one little favor yeah. like that that oh, part use blew my mind. People yeah. that count favors is trash. Watch out. Oh yeah. Trash. Yeah. Um. By the way, one last thing for me on this. Uh, maybe we're going too far, but I say Issa got her her life together. She put on a block party. The block party's Slow over. Down. Wait, oh, Let's we can go back to now. Like property management. <laughs> like, <laughs> Too much dip on your chip. Yeah. Like, but you sometimes know, you not, need something to go right. Yeah, just she to never, get you This going. was a win. This was yeah. an absolute win. This was an absolute win. So uh, we saw the preview for next week's episode, and she's talking to herself in the mirror and said, should I pick up the phone and apologize? And basically it looks like in the preview she's saying, no, she's not. Uh, would you in this situation, if you were Issa, let's start with B, if you were Issa, mm-hmm. would you pick up the phone, maybe not apologize, but just try to mend the fences? No, I am honestly that friend. When I spot a red flag, that's all I need. That's Rappington right there? Yep. Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to reach out to me and then we can have a conversation. But like you literally just step to me physically like you want to fight you want to throw hands at my event like in front of everybody and i thought that was really whack that everyone's like coming up to molly like oh my god are you okay girl please no i would absolutely no i'm not i'm not going to be the one to reach out would would you reach out if you were Issa? hell not to apologize but like just to like get the dialogue going 
Hell no. Molly needs to Molly needs Molly needs to reach out to her. She's the one that was tripping. She drew at her event. That could have like like I, th- I think it was B that said it. That you could say that for uh Sunday. Not at my not at my event. Like you want to take me down that bad? No, you gotta reach out to me, otherwise it's a wrap. Trey. Well, my personality is forgiving, man. So yeah, I probably will reach out. That's just me. I'm a nice guy. Nice no. guy, Trey. Nice guy, Trey indeed. Uh, y'all already know me, man. I, I, I don't cut people off for for, for, <laughs> for lesser reasons. Yes. Yo, I made a uh, joke man. one time, and Harper got mad, <laughs> and so like, like he just like cut me off. This was years ago, and so Ethan was telling me, "Yo, Harper mad because like he really." It was, a jo- it was a joke about like it was someone. I was watching a Timberwolves game, and they showed media role, and there was a dude who looked like Harper, but was like really fat and I was like oh shit Harper really let himself go and so I guess A that dude is Harper's friend and B <laughs> Harper used to be overweight too so he it really hit him on a different level so I was just like but I didn't say anything messed up it was just a little joke so they're like oh just call him and apologize I was like nah I'm good like if I never talk to the dude again I like my life goes on yeah you're sick <laughs> and then you and then you retell the story <laughs> Yeah, it's no, I mean, we're friends now. We're probably yeah. like a Zoom shows together and stuff. So, like, we, everything's cool. But, but yeah, man, like, I'm just like, I'm, that's not, that's not my, if I, if I didn't mess up, I don't apologize and I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem if, like, that's the end of the road for a lot, a lot of relationships like that. So, like, Trey, I mean, what do you say when you call this person? Like, so yo, I used what to, happened? I used to or have like, this mindset that you guys have, right? And there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm just, I'm just zen, man. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't move with nothing, none of that stuff in my heart. Like, you know what I mean? You could be beefing with me, but I won't, as long as I get it out. So, I mean, overall in the conversation, I just like to be an adult and communicate regardless. Whether you you get loud and you know how people hold the phone away, I don't care because that don't affect me. It's just that I got it out of my head and you no longer master me in that scenario or that situation where I'm replanted in my head. Um, but yeah, that's that's just what it is. I'll call and just I would if I'm Issa, I would have wrapped it up. You know what I mean? Like I would have talked like, hey, da, 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 da. this is what happened. I mean, I but I would have called her out too. It's not like I'm not being on, you know. Yeah. Like I'm laying down, but I'll be like, "Look, you yeah, was yeah. wrong." That's why. That's why I said, "Would you call to mend the fences or open the the lines of communication, not apologize?" Because apologize would mean the mud bad. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, definitely no, no, no. But I also won't leave that conversation with any hatred on my heart. If we yeah, don't stop, if we don't talk after that, then so be it. But I made I made my effort because I fell nah. out with people before, and I still would pick up to pick up the phone. To squat, like to have an, uh, an adult conversation for closure. All right. All right. Well, uh, that's good. We'll see where it goes next week. I, I mean, you know, this whole season has been about the block party, the block party. Now it's done. So uh, have, we'll see where it goes. What's up? I have one thing to um, mention. We didn't talk about Tiffany at all. And being a mom, I see the signs of postpartum depression happening. Oh, for real? So I just want you guys just to pay attention to what's happening, the way that she's talking about her child, the way that she's talking about about motherhood, period. Pay attention to what's going on. Thank God her husband, Derek, that's his name, Trey. I know you always forget. (laughs) The light-skinned nigga. Derek is taking care. He's making sure that he's there for his wife and his child. 
he's doing what he has to do. Like, you know, the kid wasn't feeling Peppa Pig. So, okay, yeah, shit happens. Let me go take care of my daughter. You stay and have fun for the first time since, you know, becoming a mom. Um, but she's definitely showing signs about of uh, postpartum depression. So. I should leave the kid in the supermarket, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So someone on Twitter posted a give us like, Tiffany, and then they put uh, Michael Jackson holding the baby over the <laughs> over the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> Something's not right. Something's um, not right. Good point. That's All a good right. point. Be, be, uh, plug your podcast real quick before we get out of here. Yeah, we got Crazy Sexy Cool podcast. Three black women, Las Vegas. We got some crazy stories. We got some crazy, um, we got some sexy stories. Got some cool stories. We, um, <laughs> Just had a <laughs> we had we had Mother's Day. We're going to talk about how that went for us being you know quarantined with our kids. Uh, spoiler alert: we didn't get a break. And um, but what we one of our um, one of the girls on the show gifted us something really sexy. So oh, all right, yeah. What, so what, tune what, in. We new, um, episode? new episodes are on Tuesdays and on Fridays. So awesome. you can catch us on all podcast platforms. All right. There it is. Thank you, B. Thank you, John Gervais. Thank Cheers. You, Frey. Thank you, Rob Lopez on the production. Thank you, Naima, for joining us earlier. This has been Black Opinions. Madam, motherfucker, be on the lookout for a lot of more interesting content we're going to be pushing out over the next few weeks here on the Count the Dings Network. Talk to you next time. <laughs>